Last week, we began the news flash by sharing our sadness over the grim milestone of 100,000 deaths in the US from COVID-19. This week, we again come to the broadcast with a heavy heart in the wake of the murders of George Floyd, Ahmaud Aubrey, and countless other victims of systemic racism and unconscionable hate. Everyone at McDermott is grieving and shaken or frustrated or angry or scared or all of that and more. I'm Eric Zimmerman, partner at McDermott Will & Emery, head of the firm's health law practice and a principal at McDermott Plus Consulting. Today is June 5th, and this is the Friday News Flash Coronavirus Health Law Briefing. In our first story, we begin with the Provider Relief Fund. On Wednesday, bipartisan leaders from both the House and Senate joined together in a letter requesting that the Department of Health and Human Services provide greater urgency and transparency in making distributions to providers through the fund. The letter was signed by Senators Grassley and Wyden, the chairman and ranking member of the Senate Finance Committee, as well as by Representatives Pallone and Walden, the leadership of the House Energy and Commerce Committee. Together, they called for HHS to expedite distribution of relief funds, especially for Medicaid-dependent providers. HHS has faced criticism in recent weeks over the slow pace with which it is distributing funds, coupled with constant changes to the website and supporting guidance documents. Today marks exactly 10 weeks since the CARES Act was passed, creating the Provider Relief Fund. Two and a half months later, nearly $100 billion, more than half, remains in the fund unspent. As the pressure builds, HHS continues to amend and update the guidance surrounding which providers can receive funds and how the money may be used. Last week, HHS updated the Provider Relief Fund Frequently Asked Questions page. The department updates the FAQ document nearly daily, but this week's updates were particularly notable because HHS provided clarification on which items and services count as lost revenues attributable to the coronavirus and therefore can be covered using PRF payments. HHS noted, among other things, that lost revenue can be associated with fewer outpatient visits, canceled elective procedures, or increased uncompensated care. The department also clarified funds can be used to maintain healthcare delivery capacity including paying employee health insurance, rent or mortgage payments, equipment lease payments, and electronic health record licensing fees. The Provider Relief Fund remains a moving target with guidance and restrictions shifting almost daily. To help stakeholders navigate this landscape, McDermott Plus created a toolkit that aggregates distributions from the funds, timelines, key guidance, and original analysis. This resource can be found on the McDermott Plus COVID-19 Resource Center website. On Wednesday, the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services Innovation Center announced a series of updates to existing and planned delivery models, but also recommitted to forward progress on value-based care. In the face of the coronavirus outbreak, these changes are designed to extend flexibility to participating providers and decrease the financial downside they might have faced otherwise, but may also limit upside opportunity. 
Before COVID-19, the Innovation Center had announced several models, including the primary care first, direct contracting, and kidney care choices models. In light of the pandemic, the future of these models had been uncertain. This week, the administration clarified that these models will go forward in 2021 with only one model, the direct contracting model, being delayed. The move shows the administration's commitment to value-based care and intent to shift from fee-for-service to capitated payments in traditional Medicare. COVID-19 has underscored the challenges of a fee-for-service system. As volume decreases, providers face financial peril. For some, capitated payments have demonstrated greater levels of predictability. The administration may use the facts on the ground to support their ongoing push to performance-based risk models. For many of these model announcements, additional detail is still needed for model participants to assess financial opportunity. On Monday, CMS released a report showing that nearly 26,000 nursing home residents and staff have died from the coronavirus, which is swept through long-term care facilities. This report is the first official tally of the toll that the virus has taken on nursing home communities and means that nearly a quarter of all American COVID-19 deaths have occurred at nursing facilities. According to CMS, the virus has infected more than 60,000 long-term care residents and 34,000 staff. CMS also shared state-by-state -state data on nursing home cases and deaths, showing the highest rates of incidence in Connecticut, Massachusetts, New York, New Jersey, and Washington, DC. In the past month, CMS has required enhanced reporting of COVID-19 data from nursing facilities with increasing penalties for facilities that fail to meet transparency or virus mitigation requirements. The agency also sent a letter to governors urging them to target testing efforts to nursing communities. Those are the coronavirus health law news updates for this week. For additional information or in-depth analysis about any of the topics we discussed, please visit our Coronavirus Resource Center at mwe.com forward slash coronavirus. Please join us again next week for another edition of the Friday News Flash. Thank you to all of our clients on the front lines. Stay healthy.